0: This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Jeff O'Neill, Vice President of Plant Operations for Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital, part of RWJ Barnabas Health. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in the healthcare space, and certainly I'm excited to learn more about what you're doing at Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital. But before we dive into those questions, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. My background is I'm an architect by profession. I uh, licensed in two states now. And my background, when I came out of school in the early 90s for the construction industry, it was a pretty big recession. So I got my first job at the VA, where uh, I started basically as a draftsman and participated in you know, evaluating their buildings from a building code and fire code perspective. So particularly around NFPA 101. So that really set my path as an architect into healthcare architecture. Since then, I've gone to work for a design and consulting firm and uh, then came into academic medicine in their project management department and capital planning, and then also evolved into Uh, operations of the physical plant. So my current role here at uh, RWJ Barnabas is at our New Brunswick campus. I'm over both the operational side of the physical plant, as well as the capital planning and project management side. So we have a lot of activity here on campus. So it really uh, hits into my skill set pretty well.
0: That's amazing to hear, and certainly great to know that you're in growth mode. Um, Given your role in looking at the plant management and operations, what are some of your top priorities right now?
1: So a big priority we have right now, it's actually two. We have two large capital projects going on on campus. Our uh, Jack and Cheryl Morris Cancer Center, Uh, that's about a little over half a million square feet of a new cancer hospital going up. And we also have about maybe 180,000 square feet of uh, specialty care practices to support the the Rutgers Medical Group and our affiliation with Rutgers for their practice space, either pre or post-surgical or any kind of specialty care going in. So those two projects are set to open up in early to mid 2025 So a lot of activity around that. Plus, uh, we have a lot going on in the hospital in terms of an OR phased renovation going out to 2026. All this with having to maintain and keep operations up in the existing part of the hospital to to care from about 600 beds. So, So the plate is definitely full and priority wise as we bring these projects on board uh it, it's it's a great opportunity and a new day dawning in a lot of operational type areas. So um so so all this activity is causing us to sort of rethink our care delivery models and and make sure that we stick with it. These projects have been uh years in the making. So you get the inevitable change of leadership. So really keeping folks focused on the new ways we want to deliver care, and the new ways we want to bring uh, these projects on board, it's important to keep that rolling. That's a big part of my job, articulating those uh, care paths to the providers.
0: Absolutely. That's amazing to hear. And certainly, like you said, having that continuity over time, over an evolving healthcare landscape and leadership changes, too. Um, really, it seems like you have to keep a lot of that strategy in mind front and center and that communication with the team, how do you really make sure that everybody's on board? And um, what have you found has been the most effective way to um, get people excited and motivated and inspired to move forward with new and change that might be a little bit scary or unnerving?
1: Oh, well, so just remaining engaged and keeping that inc- excitement up. Sometimes when you have a large capital project like this, you know, it's a very intense time during the design where a lot of people are involved, and a lot of decisions are being made, then from like an end user perspective, that project may go a little dark. It's We're constructing it, all the design decisions have been made, and the and then all of a sudden you're starting to pop out at the other end, ready to open. So like I said, some of the leadership may have changed, some of the uh, uh, thinking may have changed a little bit, but uh, keeping folks engaged with the construction, either from uh, keeping them involved with equipment, confirmation, basic things like tours of the building, easier said than done, because now that we're at a certain point, everybody wants a tour, but that gets tough to manage sometime. But keeping folks in touch with the decisions that were made along the way is really the key, And, and not to forget that we need to remain engaged with the folks that are gonna occupy these buildings. We have a really strong transition planning process that we're uh, uh, ramping up at this time of the year and this, this point with the move in on horizon. So a lot of those activities get you thinking about the building before you move in is really the biggest key to that success.
0: That makes a lot of sense, and you know, thinking through those projects and about um, that evolution that healthcare organizations go through. How do you see um, Robert Wood Johnson University Hospital evolving over the next two to three years or so? What factors do you see um, really coming front and center as the organization moves forward?
1: Well, we we as an organization, we're 13 hospitals uh, spread throughout New Jersey. And our our mantra, if you will, is one system, one family. What what that really addresses is uh, that uh, uh, a new way of thinking. I, I think during the pandemic, it really came to light that you know, being just basic things like being kind to each other, be as coworkers, keeping the patient at the center of everything we do. You heard a lot of stories about a lot of negative behaviors. But moving forward with that one system, one family approach and seeing what's going on in all the excitement in the system around uh, the way we want to deliver patient care, that kindness at the center is is really something that we're going to be working with over the next few years here and and into the foreseeable future, obviously. But uh, one of the other influences on that is I mentioned that you know, over a big capital project, you see change in leadership that underscores things like succession planning. And in particular, in my world of facility management, you know, every hospital has their 20, 30, 40 year person that knows the institutional history, but, you know, they want to retire and uh, and enjoy themselves. And we want to encourage that. So the question becomes, how do we harness that knowledge the next generation? How do we set up that succession planning to to drive things forward and get people excited about working uh, at a health system where, you know, when you keep the mission center uh, front and center, it it really is a rewarding part of the job when even for me, who's sown as uh, I'm as far from the bedside as you could probably get. But understanding the environments we're creating around this stuff really does go to the health and well-being of a patient that that's pretty exciting and and really promoting that when we're out recruiting when we're out putting our succession plans together is and now we got these exciting new buildings coming up that makes it a lot of positives to share as we build these succession plans and put the teams in place to deliver the best and safest care that we can.
0: I love that. I think it's such a great way to look at what you're doing and how things are growing and evolving and then making sure um, you know, as time goes on, bring up the next generation of folks to really embrace what you've um, done and accomplished and then take things forward in a smart way. Um, I'm wondering too, you know, when you look at um, kind of everything that you've been able to accomplish over the last year or so, what is one change that you or your team has made that's yielded some great results?
1: Well, uh, so I started here at RWJ Barnabas in the summer of 2022. So you really can't point to one thing that we changed, but I can say that that approach of a uh, really a, a client service approach, and obviously we have patient care in the mind, but my department is essentially a support department. So my clientele is of uh, nursing and the physicians and the support services and the ancillary services and all those folks that are looking to deliver the care, uh, they're our clients. So when you approach that with a client first um, uh, approach, that you're keeping your ears open, you're listening, you're understanding the context in which you're working. So, so bringing that approach to the department here uh, I think has been catching on I think that you know just simple response to an issue as small as a you know work order up on a unit or when we're planning out these big projects just listening and understanding where folks are coming from it, it, that service oriented approach and it touches again on our approach that we have throughout the whole health system and again in my role where I have, some project management responsibility. And I also have facility operations responsibility being connected with the rest of the system. We often have uh, at least quarterly meetings of all the, the engineering directors is one group. And then all the corporate project managers is another group staying in contact with them and having sort of a built-in uh, group to bounce ideas off of, understand that we're all going through the same challenges in terms of keeping our physical plant running, and keeping the projects moving, that's such a great resource to have. So so just building those teams and keeping the communications up have, have really been, I think, the, the biggest positive that I've had since I started here, that it's just a very connected uh, group, and, and we share a lot of knowledge, and we share a lot of expertise to help get stuff done. So uh, it really does, and I, I do a lot of work, too, uh, with ashi the American Society for Healthcare Engineers, same thing, that it's, it's the same kind of groups, both on the project management and capital project delivery and the facility maintenance, where that collaboration is so rich, uh, even at that level, that it, it's really been helpful when you come back and come into your day job to make things happen you get the benefit of a lot of expertise and that's really really been rewarding that way.
0: That's great to hear and just so um, wonderful that you've had that kind of support and been able to um, have people kind of connect and great partnerships I'm wondering, looking into the future, is there anything you're excited about, any trends in, in some of the projects that you're working on or, or things that you're doing differently than they would have done in the past um, to really make sure you know these uh, facilities and, and buildings and whatnot are, are poised um, for the future of healthcare where healthcare is evolving?
1: So um, obviously the built environment has a big impact on, on the care. Another thing I'm involved with is building code development. Uh, through International Code Council and um, the Life Safety Code with NFPA 101 through that ASHI work, right? So uh, there's a lot of exciting things happening in terms of that work to make the buildings as safe as we can be. So bringing that back into the health system and really optimizing these spaces it makes it easier for me to talk to a provider, like a a surgeon, an anesthesiologist, a uh, a hospitalist, somebody that's trying to understand, well, why are these environments set up this way? Why can't we do X, Y, Z? Having that level discussion is important because as important as it is for me to understand how the care needs to be delivered and what the needs are at the bedside there, it's also important to articulate back how these codes and regulations are set up—not to get in the way, not to to put restrictions on what we want to do—but articulate the why because it it what it's designed to be a to create the safest environment that we can. With a lot of uh, brain power into that 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 helps that along, but but bringing that into the equation, I think, has been a benefit to. Uh, just being a good team member and being, uh, and expressing those elements of the environment that contribute to the care and how they affect it, it has has also been something that's exciting down the road and and there's more and more people getting involved in that like I that that can have those conversations so so I see that coming where there are these connections being made. To, to make sure that we do create these safe environments, not just in uh, shiny new buildings and everything, but in the existing buildings that we have, like of all ages, uh, how we manage all that. So, so those partnerships are going to be really important moving down the pike here.
0: Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been such a fun and interesting discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Thank you again for having me. It's been quite the privilege to be here at Becker's.